You're welcome. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, let's turn to the third chapter of the Gospel of John. Third chapter of the Gospel of John. Now as you're turning and getting ready to go there, or to get there, we'll begin reading in a few minutes. Many of us that are here today, most of us that are here today, about 99% of us, matter of fact, but we grew up in a time when this world was fairly simple. And when I say that, I mean that when we watched TV, the things that we saw on TV and the things that we read in the newspaper and things that we were taught in school were facts that were either happening or had already happened in history. But the world that we live in today is completely different because today we're just giving little, giving little tidbits of information and then we're left to decide whether if it's true or if it's not. You know, and, and here's the thing. When we're left to decipher on our own what is true and what's not, we tend to give more credibility to whatever uh, source information we got it from. Uh, you know, where it came from. Who said that? Or which branch of the news reported that? You know, and what a lot of people today, there's a lot of people that won't even watch the news. Me for one, I, but mainly because my TV's not working in my house right now, and that's probably a good thing. But what information I get, I get off my cell phone and I go to Fox News headlines. And I don't even know that that's actually the truth. But what I want you to understand is this. The reality is that there are some things that we have been led to believe in this old world that are simply not true. Of course, unless you read about it on Facebook or the internet. And everybody here knows that everything on Facebook and the internet is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Amen? Oh, that's the biggest bunch of baloney. Oh, boy. But I've got a whole bunch of stuff for y'all today that's probably going to blow your mind. But we, we, we all know that not everything we read on the Facebook and Internet is accurate. We know that a lot of stuff we read in newspapers that we see on TV is not accurate. But as believers... It is important that we know the truth of Jesus Christ and know that truth is the only way to experience true freedom. And I'll explain that as we go through this today. So the truth we believe really does matter. But what truth do we believe? Now, for instance, you know, when you start studying the Bible, you study the Bible, you know that the Bible tells us at some point, sometime, Jesus will come again. At some point, at some time, the church will be raptured. And we could get into this big old debate about that. We're not going to do that. But what I'm doing is giving you some facts, some things that are going to happen and when they happen, it's going to be in the blink of an eye. It's going to be in a moment. It's going to be in the snap of the fingers. And my question to you is, are you ready? Are you ready? 
There's a lot of things, me being an old country boy preacher, that I will stand up here and I will not guarantee you, but I will guarantee you that Jesus will come again. And that you can take to the bank. I can't tell you when it's going to happen, but that is the truth. So that's kind of the direction we're going to take today. Now, in this third chapter of John that we're going to look at here in just just a second, we're introduced to a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And y'all remember Nicodemus was the guy, the Pharisee, that came to Jesus at, at nighttime, and he wanted to talk to Jesus, and he wanted to ask Jesus about being saved. Now... Two or three reasons Nicodemus came at night. He probably didn't want anybody to know, him being a Pharisee, that he was visiting with Jesus. But another thing that was transpiring with Nicodemus, and just like what I've been talking about, getting false information, that's where Nicodemus was. He had been told one thing, or grew up, and being a Pharisee, he had learned one thing, But Jesus was teaching something different. And so Nicodemus was somewhat confused, you might say. And and because of that, he was trying to interpret Jesus' teaching based on an understanding of a truth that was different from what Jesus was telling folks. In other words, what he had learned. Because Nicodemus, being a Pharisee, believed that he could be saved, that he could have salvation simply by keeping the law. Now you remember the Pharisees were the ones, they had all of God's laws and they adhered to God's laws and they made up a bunch of laws and as long as you didn't do anything against them laws, you was in good shape. So since, since he was struggling to understand what is fact, what is fiction, what is true, what is untrue, Jesus explained it a little bit more detail. So we're going to start reading now in the Gospel of John. I want you to look in the third chapter. And we're going to begin reading in verse 19. Y'all got it? Amen? Amen. Now this is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. And this is the condemnation. That light, that word light is literally the light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil or practices evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. That word reproved is exposed. Alright, I want you to keep your Bibles open right there. Be ready to go elsewhere here in a minute. And the title of this sermon today is, Does It Matter What Truth You Believe? Notice that's a question mark. Does it matter what truth you believe? Now, so we see Jesus trying to explain to Nicodemus because he's confused. And and you notice that Jesus uses the contrast of light versus darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. He brings the light of truth into every situation, no matter what the situation may be. But still, people love to live their own lives, believing what they want to believe, doing what they want to do, whenever they want to do, 
to fulfill their sinful desires. They would rather live in a world of darkness instead of living in a world of truth. Instead of believing the truth of Jesus Christ. And, and, and the truth that, that only Jesus can bring. So that brings me to my first question of the day. Why do people avoid hearing the truth? Why do people avoid hearing the truth? I simply think it's because they don't want to change. Just that simple. It's not our problem that keep us from coming to Jesus and trusting in Him. It's the lies that this old world, this old culture that we live in, has convinced us are true to make us blind to the light of Jesus Christ. I read about a church one time that created this, this room. And, and it was just the opposite of a haunted house. It, it was an alternative to a haunted house. And they call this room the Revelation House. And this Revelation House is where your scariest nightmares came to life. And so what they did, this room they had was this humongous room. This huge room that was completely dark. But at the very, very end, way down yonder, was this itty bitty teeny little light. And so they would start bringing people in there, into this room they called the abyss. And as they entered this room, a few people saw that little bitty light way down there, but most of the people that came into this dark room paid absolutely no attention to that light whatsoever. So they just kind of wandered around in the dark. Well, when they couldn't find their way out, they finally would turn on the lights and, and let them out. And, and they would ask people what they thought about that room, that room called the abyss. And they said, oh, that was our favorite experience. Why? Because it, it, it was dark. And, and that was our favorite room. And they said, well, why did you like the darkness? And they said, well, because we just could wander around in there. Now, you kind of think about that. You go, really? And that kind of sounds like some of the people that we know in this society which we live. They know they're living a light of darkness. They know they're living a light of sin, a life of sin. And they would rather just simply wander around in the dark aimlessly than coming to the truth that they can only find in Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus in these verses that we read. He told him that people love to stay in darkness rather than come to the light that only he can offer. And a whole lot of people are still like that today. They would rather live a life of sin, a life of darkness, than just simply saying, I need Jesus. Completely ignorant to what he can do to them. Because when they stay in darkness, that way of life, that stands in direct opposition to the light that Jesus can offer them. If they would just simply admit their wickedness and acknowledge God's truth. You know, and that's what Christ's light does. 
Christ's light exposes darkness. It exposes a lifestyle of sin. Now I'm going to ask you another question. Have you ever been in a room like that? Have you ever been in a place of complete darkness? Have you ever been in a room that was so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of your face? In a room that where you just kind of you couldn't see nothing. You didn't know where you was. You, you just kind of aimlessly wandered around. You were very easy to get lost. But then, when the light of day begins to shine, what happens to the darkness? It goes away. And now we can see things that we couldn't see in the dark. Well, in the same way, that's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. He's telling him that the light of Jesus allows to see us to see the darkness in our lives and to bring it out into the forefront. You know, we live in a world today that avoids the light of Christ because people want to live their lives the way they want to. They don't want to be told what to do. They want to satisfy their own desires. And they would rather live a life that pleases them than live a life that is pleasing to God. So what does this all mean? It comes down to a choice. We will we'll either choose to continue living a light of darkness or we will come to the light of Christ. So being the wondering, pondering kind of guy I am, I sometimes wonder if people stay in the darkness, a life of darkness because they don't want to be changed. They just want to stay with the old status quo. The light of Christ will change you. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you're not the same person anymore. Let me explain it this way. One of the amazing masterpieces of art that is in the world is painted on the ceiling of the Royal Navy Naval Academy just outside of London. Maybe some of y'all have seen it or, or on TV or something. I, I'm not familiar with it at all. But it's way up yonder. Just picture a magnificent masterpiece on the ceiling of this church. We've got a pretty high ceiling in here. Well, what they did to this masterpiece, they came in... After a hundred years of dust, what do you think the top of your refrigerator would look like if you didn't clean it for a hundred years? But this masterpiece had collected dust for a hundred years. So he put up all of this scaffolding. And while the guys were up there working and cleaning that masterpiece, they would allow groups of people to go up these different flights of scaffolding and get right up. I mean, they would be a foot away from the painting. And one guy said it this way. He said the contrast between where they cleaned and where they hadn't cleaned was just extravagant. It made all the difference in the world. But to even make it more beautiful, they had put light on it just the right way to bring out all the brilliant artwork, all the brilliant colors. Well, I tell you that little story to say that that's what Jesus' light does in the life of a person 
who, who, who decides to stay in a life of darkness. When Jesus shines his light on that darkness, it is different from, you know, the clean is opposite of the unclean. So that's what Jesus does when, when we step out of our dark world, out of our world of sin, you know. And that's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus as he comes to the end of his conversation with them. Even though light exposes our sin, we, we welcome the exposure in the same way that they shine that light on that artwork and brought out that detail because it was so much cleaner, it was so much beautiful then, then what hadn't been cleaned, Jesus' light cleans out our lives. The sin out of our lives. The darkness out of our lives. I want you to look in verse 21 there in the third chapter of, of John. It says, But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they that they are wrought in God. Now, what I want you to see here is this. This is what is meant when we, when we say we give our life to Christ. When we accept Christ as Savior. We repent of our sin and in faith we begin to walk in the light of Christ. We begin to trust in Christ because we are made clean. You remember what I told you while ago. When you accept Christ as Savior, you're not the same anymore. Why? Because the darkness has now gone out of your life. You're made clean in the light of Jesus Christ. You are, you are renewed to live by His power now. So that is when we are changed. We're not the same. Our goals change. Our interests change. The way we live changes just like that masterpiece that had been created by an artist, once it was clean, it wasn't the same anymore. That's what Jesus does when He cleans out our lives and now our lives can bring glory to Him. The truth of Jesus will surely set us free. Now I want you to stay in the Gospel of John and go to the 8th chapter. Don't worry about chapter 3. We're done with that. Go to the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John. <clears throat> and I want you to look at verse 31. John 8, 31. Y'all got it? Amen. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on Him, If ye continue, that word continue means abide, in My word... Then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you do not have that verse highlighted, do so now. If you do not have that verse underlined in your Bible, do so now. Because what does it say one more time? And ye shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, The truth will set you free. Free from what? That's the question. The truth will set you free. Free from what? Now you notice our scene changes here. 
Jesus is no longer talking to Nicodemus. Jesus is now teaching in the temple. He is teaching Jews that have accepted Him as Christ. They are believers in Jesus. They are followers of Jesus. Now they're very, uh, they're, they're very uh, uh, new to this Christianity thing. And you notice when Jesus starts speaking to them, He told them that to become true disciples of Jesus, they needed to do more than just receive and believe in Jesus as the light, as the truth. It was going to require them to live out that truth every day in their lives. They must receive the truth. They must love the truth and they must live out the truth. So you see what I'm talking about when I say there's more to it than just trusting, just believing. They they needed to do all three of those things. It's only when we obey, look in verse 31, it's only when we obey God's teaching that we grow in our knowledge of Him. When you want to grow in your knowledge of someone, how do you get to know them more or better? Spend the time with You spend time with them. You, you learn everything you possibly can about them. You read everything. Joe, I should be asking you. You're the history buff. But you, you, you watch stuff like on the History Channel. That's probably pretty accurate stuff right there, I would think. But that's how you grow in your knowledge. Well, I ask you that to ask you this. How are you going to grow in your knowledge of Jesus? You spend time with Him. Exactly. You study about Jesus. You get your Bible out and you've learned everything that you possibly can learn about Jesus. And when you grow in your knowledge of God, grow in your knowledge of Jesus, however you say it, we discover what it means to grow in our freedom of sin. Why is that so important? This is why. Our whole outlook on life will be changed. Jesus is, Jesus is the, the only truth that can genuine, genuinely set us free from sin. Y'all think I've got the easy job. Some of them, oh, well, never mind. We got to go on. But anyway, do you see what I'm talking about here? Do, do you see it here in, in, in verse 31? I keep going back to that. When the, the truth of Jesus sets us free, we can have the freedom we need to live the life Christ wants us to live. And, and, and so Jesus says that what if you are truly my disciple? You will continue to to live out what He has taught us. Look in verse 31. I didn't use the word, I did use the word continue, but I told you that word is abide. Verse 31, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciple. Now, what does that word disciple mean? Learner. 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 Thank you, Sharon. I'm going to describe that word this way. Sharon nailed it right on the head, but I'm going to nail it down just a little bit tighter. 
That word disciple means that you put yourself under a teacher or a leader that you want to become like. So if you put yourself under Jesus as a teacher, as a leader, then you will become more like Him. I want to tell you a a, a deal I found on Facebook. I got my wife's Facebook. (laughs) Proud around on it. Sorry, Lori. (laughs) But I found this post. And I thought about this post. It just fits so well with what we're talking about today. And I I want to, this was a young lady that posted this. And this is what she said. She said, I am a Christian. I am not a very good example of one. I cuss, I drink, I'm not always in a good place. End quote. But what does Jesus say? If you are my disciple, you want to continue to be my disciple, we need to continue in his word. We need to continue to study about him and be as much like him as we can. Because I don't think Jesus had all the habits that young lady had. I, I just don't think that was Jesus' behavior at all. So as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, a person who does their best to be as much like Jesus as you possibly can. So I want to ask you the burning question of the day. Are you really a Christian? Are you really a Christian? Now, these Jews that Jesus was speaking to, remember I told you they were new in their faith. They hadn't been Christian very long. And Jesus wanted to clarify something for them, that there was more to their faith than just believing in Him. They needed to know Him as truth, and knowing His truth would set them free. I go back to verse 31. A lot of people in our, in, in our culture today are asking a very important question. And that very important question is, what is the truth? What, is the, what do you say to someone and walks up to you and says, what is the truth about something? Well, I'm going to tell you what our society says. Because number one, we have to ask the question, does truth really exist? Does truth really exist? You know, we've been led to believe in this culture that we live in that truth is whatever we make it to be. That's what culture wants to tell us. To say that something is right or to say that something wrong is simply a matter of personal choice. What side of the ball do you want to be on? Truth is important because what we believe determines how we view life. It's going to determine how we live our life out. What kind of person we're going to be. That's why Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Maybe y'all saw this. In October of 2021, 
There was 2,000 adults that were polled and they were asked what they believed about the truth. The majority of these 2,000 adults said that truth was a personal choice. In other words, that tells me there's a bunch of people out there that can't decipher between right and wrong. But they went on and they said that, that they believed that truth was subjective and that there was no moral absolutes. The problem with believing that truth is subjective is that it changes from one person to the next. Real truth can only come from an outside standard of truth. That's why Jesus said what? Jesus says He is the truth. He did not say I am a truth. He said I am the truth. Do you see the difference there? So if we come to know Him, we also know the truth. Why? Because He's the one whose standards are the truth, the absolute truth, not the world's opinion of what truth is. All right, I got to move on. Go on down to verse 33 of chapter 8. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed. The word seed means descendants. And were never in bondage or enslaved to any man. How sayest you, thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, or the slave of sin. And the, ser and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever or forever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Now, what these Pharisees were doing, and we see this happening all the time. What the Pharisees were doing were taking Jesus' words and they was twisting them around to make it look like He was saying something, teaching something other than what it was. Now you notice as Abraham's descendants, they said they were already free because they had never been slaves. Folks, they did not know what they were talking about. The Jewish people had a long history of being dominated. I believe that, that Moses was the guy that went and brought them out of Egypt. Why? Because they were in bondage. They were slaves. But they're sitting there, oh no, that never happened to us. They didn't know the truth. Even at this time, Jesus was talking to them. They were under Roman law, under Roman rule. So they viewed themselves as having inner freedom simply because they were Abraham's descendants. Oh, were they so misconstrued? So what did Jesus do? He shot more holes in their theory than a minute bucket. And he told them this. He says, if a person sins, 
That person isn't free because they're living a life of sin. They're under the power of sin. They are under the authority of sin. In other words, he's saying, how can you say you've never been enslaved when you're living a life of sin? I hope that doesn't describe any of us today. Because we get the, the idea, you know, well, I, I'm a pretty good old boy. I live a pretty clean life, a pretty good life. I, I go to church. I pick up my Bible every now and then. I do my best to be a good person. I feel as though I'm spiritually free. But Jesus is telling us what? Jesus is telling us there's a whole lot more to it than that. To being truly free. To be truly free, we need to be free from whatever sin is holding us back. Because if we have sin in our lives, that's a barrier between us and our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're out of fellowship. So it's holding us back. So the question is, how do we free ourselves from living a life of sin? Well, the first thing we need to realize is that freedom that Jesus is speaking of isn't defined by what culture says freedom is. Freedom is not doing whatever you want to do based on how you think it should work out. Based on your feelings. Based on your sinful desires. That's not freedom. True freedom, real freedom, the freedom that Jesus is talking about can only come when we decide to live a life like Jesus lived. So now I'm going to ask you another burning question of the day. Why do you come to church? Why do you come to church? Maybe you come to church so that you can see the difference between living a life focused on sinful habits versus living a life that's Focused on the habits of someone who knows Jesus. Maybe we come to church simply because we feel like we need to be near someone and their Jesusness will rub off on us. But in the end, ultimately, we have to choose for our sin to either live a life for Christ or live a life of sin. It's that simple, folks. I can't make it any more simple than that. So I ask you again, what is the truth to you? Does the truth to, to you, what you believe, really matter? Now we've seen Jesus talk to Nicodemus. We've seen Jesus talk to these Jewish believers. And we've said a whole bunch of stuff. Now let's bring that whole bunch of stuff up and apply it to our lives today. Here's what it boils down to. This may blow your mind. It blew mine. I want somebody, and I want somebody to answer me verbally. I want somebody to tell me, this in 2016, how many different denominations do you think there was? 4,000. No, you don't get to Google. We don't have time. 
Believe it or not, in 2016, there was 33,000 different denominations. By the year 2025, and this really doesn't surprise me. It kind of in a way it did, but in a way it, it didn't. Because I'm a preacher. And as I'm traveling around, churches catch my attention. And when I see a church and I look at the name, the first thing that pops into my mind is, I wonder what goes on there at that church. By 2025, it is predicted there will be 55,000 different denominations. Now you're kind of sitting there shaking your head, looking at me like I'm a complete idiot. But I want you to think about this. 33,000 in 2016, 55,000 by 2025. And you kind of want to go, why? You know what that tells me? That tells me you can't get along with others, so just go out and start a church of your own. That's what that tells me. How many of y'all have heard of Charles Spurgeon? Charles Spurgeon? I want to give y'all a quote. You remember Charles Spurgeon was a long time ago. Long time ago. One of the greatest preachers maybe that ever lived. Maybe I should go as far as to say evangelist. But this is what Charles Spurgeon wrote. Now keep in mind those numbers I just gave you. Keep in mind Charles Spurgeon made this quote years ago. The time will come when instead of shepherds feeding the sheep, the church will have clowns entertaining the goats. Then I'm going to ask you the question, how close are we to that today? Now you know what popped into my mind when I read that? That, that quote? The first thing that popped into my mind, I believe there's a, this, this story in the Bible about separating the sheep from the goats. That's the first thing that popped into my mind. And I probably should have went and studied that, and I didn't because I don't have time. I've got to move on. But I'm going to wrap this up. We've got to go. This is getting way too long. Do you realize as a, as a Christian that you are chosen? You know, all of us at some point in our lives have been chosen for something. Maybe we were the lucky sap like I was when I was in 8th grade and junior high. I got to be the only boy in a play at school with a bunch of girls. Why the teacher chose me, I'll never know. I've never forgiven him from that. But I was chosen for that. And maybe back years ago when, when, when you were young, you were chosen for something. To sing a, a solo at church or to play the piano at church when you were very young. and Something like that. But we all have been chosen for something, whatever that may be. Maybe it was to play football or be on the basketball team. I could go on and on and on. But you remember back in elementary school, all the cool kids got to be the team captains and they got to choose who they wanted on their team. And if you were chosen first, I never had that privilege. <laughs> Curtis was always ahead of me. <laughs> but if you were chosen first, that meant that the captain had, had confidence in you 
that, that you could help the team come to victory. So that meant you had to, to step up to the plate and give it your all, Christy. And everybody prayed and hoped, oh, please don't let me be the last one picked. I never got to be the last one, praise God. But every one of us had been picked for something. Now, what I want to show you here real quick, I want you all to flip to 1 Peter, the second chapter. I got to do this real quick. And then we're going to go home. First Peter, the second chapter. Look in verse 9. First Peter, second chapter, verse 9. Y'all got it? Amen? You got it, Renee? You got it? Okay. What does it say? But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. A peculiar people is His own special people. That ye should show forth, that word show is proclaim, the praises of Him who hath called you out of the darkness into what? You see, Peter is saying, as followers of Christ, as believers of Christ, you were chosen. You were handpicked. You were chosen for God for a purpose. And that purpose is what? To proclaim His praises. What does it say at the end of that verse? To proclaim His praises. Because what? You're one called out of darkness into His marvelous light. Does what you believe as truth really matter? That right there ought to matter to you. That's truth. That's truth. You can carry that one to the bank, folks. You see, before you knew Christ in a personal way, you lived in darkness. You lived a life of sin. That darkness that you lived in is sin. Living a life the way you wanted to live on your terms doing what you wanted to do when, when, when you wanted to do it. Do y'all know what that term chosen? Maybe y'all know this, maybe it doesn't, but do you realize that that term chosen was only meant for the Israelites? Until, until God's grace came on the scene. And now it applies to everyone that trusts in Christ as Lord and Savior. Doesn't matter if you're Jew. Doesn't matter if you're Gentile. Doesn't matter if you're tall, short, good looking like me. Doesn't matter. Didn't get the response I thought I was going to get there, but anyway. When you are called out of the darkness, you are called to live a life in His marvelous light. Being called means that you are to let that light of Christ not only shine in you, but through you. 
What did we say a while ago? Send the light. When you're out, Chandra's, not in this church, when you're out, Chandra's in the world, are you sending that light? When you're sitting there talking to someone, do they go, or they see you walking up, do they go, oh no, here comes Roy, that crazy maniac Christian. They should. They should. Because we're supposed to be the light of the world. So I'm going to say one more thing and we're going to go. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, You walk like a Christian. You act like a Christian. You live like a Christian. And you let that light shine. Because I can tell you there's people out there that need to see that light. They need to see Jesus in you. So today, that's your challenge. Is to let your light shine. Let us pray. We need to go home. Father God, we just thank You for the opportunity to be in Your house, Father. We just thank You for the time that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, Father, to just get away from it all and just not be around the computer, the cell phone, the TV, all the crazy things that we can come and just spend time together worshiping You, hearing Your Word proclaimed. Father, I certainly thank You for each one of these folks that that have taken time out of their busy schedule to be here today. And I I pray, Father, that you will just guide and direct our lives, that you will continue to protect us in this very challenging time that we live. Father, I ask you that you will put it on our hearts to let our light shine. To show folks how important it is to have your light in our lives. Father, just forgive us where we fail you. And we just ask, Father, for all the situations that's going on in this whole world. Father, we know you're in the middle of it all. And we thank you for that. And we pray for your will, Father, to be done. We pray for all the folks on our prayer list. Just meet those needs there, Father. And Father, just help each one of us live our lives for you. Forgive us where we fail you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.